0: Mo uh, many of you may know me as Australtor on Twitter. And I've been around on Twitter since like 2018, but like my relationship with astrology is a lot longer than that. I've been on and off into it since I was probably about eight or something like that. And I really got back into the study of astrology about three, almost three and a half years ago, actually. Um, and I guess ever since I discovered the astrology podcast, I've really been into the traditional bent, and so I've taken a bunch of courses with people, bought a bunch of books, etc. And so my approach to astrology is very, like, Hellenistic slash medieval perso arabic um, And the primary thing I do with my consults is solar returns, but I'm really getting into mundane astrology. And will eventually transition into medical astrology, I hope. So, yeah.
1: Awesome. And hey, everyone, my name is Pow, and I'm also known on Twitter as Pow Astrology. And yeah, my journey with astrology started when I was a kid. I, I think I'd always been interested in signs and would give friends and ex-boyfriends really bad advice on sun (laughs) sign astrology. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it wasn't until like more recent years that I really started diving into it. Like just like Mo shared, it was actually really the astrology podcast that really turned me to traditional astrology. And yeah, and so I, I do offer readings as well, mostly natal chart and solar return chart readings. And yeah, mostly really studying with hellenistic um, astrology. Yeah, traditional. And so, um, yeah, been on been on Twitter for a while now. Before I even discovered Astro Twitter, but I got on Astro Twitter about like January twenty nineteen actually. So, January
0: oh, I was December twenty eighteen. Literally, like my the chart for my um, for my um, account. I think it was just after that first, uh, lunar eclipse in Cancer, so, like, literally, like, Christmas Eve or something.
1: How did you find out about Astro Twitter?
0: I mean, I was kind of a lurker, honestly, for a while, like, I was lurking, because first I was on Reddit for, like, a year. Um, you know, lurking Reddit, lurking Astro Twitter, like, just lurking, and I wasn't really joining. And I was like, you know what? I don't really like this community on Reddit. I need something more immediate with like people who are, I guess, like at different levels. Like especially people on my level, because I felt like on Reddit either people were too advanced or like too beginner. And so I was like, I need some more people where I'm at. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, let's let's do this.
1: I also started on Reddit and now I'm wondering <laughs> if we've ever seen each other's like replies or I don't know how much you posted <laughs> cool. or anything but yeah you're right it was either like people are super advanced mostly modern too or mm-hmm. people were like hey this is my chart can someone tell me help me understand
0: this yeah this like, I mean? like I I remember like when I was like lurking Reddit I was really really into like progressions and like for a while I was entertaining like solar arcs, and, like, I learned about them, and then, um, something else, like, yeah, I was, like, pretty into modern, um, the only thing was that, that I, the only issue I had with modern is that, like, whenever people would describe, um, because I'm Pisces rising, um, whenever people would describe me being ruled by Neptune, I didn't really resonate with that, it was, it was really weird, I was, like, um, not really, like, this isn't really gelling, but then once I discovered Jupiter's the traditional ruler, I was like, this makes a lot more sense, Um, but the only issue I had with traditional was whole sign houses, because at first I was team Placidus, I was like, I can't accept this, and then, you know, I think once I discovered, like, um, the predictive techniques in um, Hellenistic Astrology, I was like, whole signs, never looking back. So,
1: what finally got me on whole signs because it was the, I mean the exact same experience and was learning about that in, with using whole signs and you know according to traditional astrology you could do whole sign aspects too because I think the mm-hmm. hardest thing I had to reconcile for my own chart is in Placidus I'm a twelfth house moon and that tracked with me better than being like this first house moon in Taurus but then when I was like oh wait but all these first house moon like or my first house moon squares every single one of my leo placements and i was like okay
0: i got it now <laughs> it that, <clears throat> that was neat because i'd be a ninth house moon in plus and it's like you know the ninth house moon tracks but then like with certain timing techniques it's like moon in the 10th makes so much sense and i think there were like looking back on my um 10th house perfection year but also like I think it was my sixth house perfection year because that's when my um Fifth house would meet its ruler in the 10th whole sign house. I was like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. And then just seeing how, like, I come across in public sometimes, it's like, because even though I have a first house Saturn, like, I come across as very, like, nurturing and, like, emotionally supportive. And I feel like that goes beyond, like, Pisces rising. Because, like, if I had the moon somewhere else, I don't think I would come off that way. So, I was like, okay, maybe 10,000 moon works, I can't deny it, like, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, like, before we get into, like, what we want to do with this episode, which is a really ambitious undertaking of the astrology of 2021, I guess I want to ask you, before I answer this question for myself, um, you know, like... I guess, like, what's motivating you to, like, want to, I guess, try to attempt a forecast? Because I don't know if you've attempted one before.
1: Not, nowhere near this extensive. Like, I do have another Mm. podcast with one of my really Mm. good friends who also, like, studies astrology. and. We'll, like, talk about the transits in each episode, you know, but, like, nowhere near even, like, that extensive. Um, Like, I won't even do, like, a month forecast on that, so this is a huge undertaking. Um, I think what motivates me to do it is (laughs) 2020 was a rough year. I mean, it was just objectively (laughs) rough. I don't think anyone had a blast this year, Mm -hmm. and uh, I I actually really want to, like, do a deep dive into 2021 and just kind of see, like what we have to look forward to and Mm -hmm. I think in some ways I think that Australia 2021 can also just kind of help bring closure doesn't even bring understanding to what the hell 2020 was about Mm
0: -hmm. no for sure like so at least for myself I would say maybe like I can't remember if it was September no it might have been like September or August I don't remember but I kind of do like a I think uh, with, okay, so her handle on Twitter is Stars and Sense, so she's the practical astrologer, uh, and um, Jamie Wright, who's a Wright machine on Twitter, and we do um, tea times every month, and we talk about the transits of the month, and we'll provide, like, many, like, insights, you know, for each of the signs. Um, and that's been pretty fun, um, but, you know, I've never done, like, a full-on, like, year, is, and even then, like, I don't think we go like day by day for monthly, so we just kind of focus on like the big events, and then for each of the signs, we'll go focus on these days, this is what this might be like, you know. And so, I mean, I'm not looking to do the sign by sign thing because people can kind of sit together, <laughs> but like, I think looking at 2021, you know, now that I've been like practicing astrology, like you know, like, with clients, I'm just, like, okay, I kind of want to take a step back and just provide, like, general advice, and I think, like, just getting in tune with, like, what each transit is like day-to-day is just really, it's really helpful, even if you don't know, like, you know, the time lords and blah, 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 it just helps you know, like, what the day is going to be like. I have, like, a great, like, respect for a lot of astrologers who do, like, weeklies, dailies, like, they're just really in tune with like the energies, and I think like having a year long or like a year ahead would give me like insight into some of the things they do. Like,
1: yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, props to the people who do weeklies and dailies and monthlies. Jeez. Yeah, like
0: oh my <laughs> god, camp like, yeah. Oh my god, I don't know how he does it, but like oh
1: yeah, yeah, full on YouTube videos that are at least twenty minutes long every week. Yeah, yeah. I but props like, to all of you. <laughs>
0: I watch his forecast religiously because it's like, okay, what do I, what am I expecting this week? Um, And then I also watch, you know, like Water Trio and then like a couple of other ones that I can't think of right now. Like, but like it's just like, okay, I want to see what different people say and then people usually like bring their unique perspectives. So I feel like it's nice to have like more voices, especially from women of color in astrology because, you know, astrology has been pretty like White male. So
1: that is very true. Yes, and yeah. I mean, even on you're right. Even on the client readings, like you, as we both said, we both do solar return chart readings, <laughs> and so I have already been doing a lot of solar return readings for clients that. Cover 2021. I even have done a couple already that go into 2022, and I'm just like, oh my god, I'm not ready for this yet. Let's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I do like that this will be kind of a way to just kind of like step back a little bit and just kind of look at this bigger picture of like what we, what do we have going on 2021?
0: Um, okay, so, okay, so before we dive in, like, how do you want to do this? Do you want to like, because we could do it quarter by quarter and then like, talk about the main things, or, like, do you want to give, like, like, if you could describe 2021 in, like, a few words or sentences, like, how would you do that? Like,
1: I think that'd be good, Um, but do you want to first just kind of talk about how 2020 is ending, even just, like, even just some of the current astronomy That's true, you're right,
0: because, like, um, as a lot of you know, uh, the year is ending with a major shift. Um, this is important because, You know, Saturn-Jupiter cycles happen every 20 years, so the conjunctions happen every 20 years, but what's special about this one is that um, not only are we moving into a new element, um, so we're starting another 200-year cycle, but, like, apparently we're also in a particular conjunction that only happens every 800 years, so, like, the whole shift from, like, officially moving from, you know, Earth into air is, like, Mm. huge, because the We had an air phase was like, um, I think like 800 years ago or something. Uh, Not only that, but um, what else? I had a point. It's gone, it's gone. Ah! Oh, another point is that, um, so with these conjunctions, you have the conjunction of the epicycles of Saturn and Jupiter Um, if you want more detail on that, there are nice articles and lectures by Ben Dykes. I don't think that's in the scope of what we're talking about right now, but um, or like the um, conjunctions of the actual planets that you can see in the sky, and so for the first time um, they're actually aligning in the same element, so there will be no confusion about whether we're in the air phase or in the um, earth phase, because technically if you look at the mean conjunctions are the conjunctions about the cycles. The air age started officially in 2020, not 20, ah, 2000. Um, but um, if you look at the bodily conjunctions, technically, um, I, I believe in 1981, we had a conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter and Libra. And so we've kind of been in this weird, like, interstitial period f- since the 80s, more or less. And now we're finally, like, Firmly in the air age, and so it'll be interesting to see how this twenty-year period, so from now until like twenty forty, basically, will be set up for um, really getting into this air stuff. Yeah. Um,
1: I'm so glad you laid all of that out. By the way, this is <laughs> a perfect introduction to it. Yeah, and it's all going to start when this con- this conjunctions on depending on where you are in the world but it's going to be December 19th for most people in the US yeah. and so yeah that December 19th conjunctions is going to really really color what 2021 and beyond is going to be like it is also really interesting that it happens like amid you know we're like we're also going to be going, we're also in the middle of an eclipse season too Mm -hmm. that's going to continue until 2021 um and ends yeah it it ends at the end of 2021 and then we'll begin Taurus and Scorpio eclipses but let's not talk about that
0: yeah (laughs) yeah we will save that for I believe November yeah Mm -hmm. November um but I think like um so like the air element is very different from earth so a lot of the previous 200 year cycle was about you know industrial revolution, you know, competition over material resources, um, things like, um, you know, issues with nationalism, boundaries, etc., right? I mean, we're moving into an age of air, so air is, you know, unlike air, unlike earth, which is, you know, cold and dry in some systems of, um, giving the elements qualities. You know, earth wants to, you know, consolidate, it wants to identify clear boundaries. It um, is concerned with you know that which is tangible, um, you know. Uh, whereas air is kind of like it's more fluid, there's more movement. It's not always evenly distributed, and so we're seeing with things like the internet and the rise of technology, is becoming really prominent. Um, I think that's going to really characterize the next like. 20 years, but also like say a lot about the next, like, you know, even 200 year cycle. So it'll be interesting to see what we do with that. But I mean, so Saturn and Jupiter will conjoin at zero Aquarius. And um, as others have pointed out, at the beginning of the year, like we kind of got a taste of um, Saturn and Aquarius, mm-hmm. but this is with Mars. And you'll see that, like, around that time, we had a lot of discourse around social distancing and you know lockdown and like you know air you know a lot of the all the air signs what they have in common is that they're human signs so like gemini libra aquarius and we're going to be thinking a lot more about you know how we interact with each other that will be a huge thing how do we socialize with each other what are the acceptable like you know parameters around socializing um I don't think this whole social distancing thing is going to necessarily go away. And I think like this whole culture of, you know, working from home, working remotely, things like that, I think there might be more promotion of some of those things. Um, You know, I think companies like Zoom and Skype and all these other tech things that allow us to socialize at a distance they're not going anywhere, and I think they're just going to get more advanced and interesting so that we can simulate a lot of interactions that we typically have, things like that.
1: Yeah, I I think one of the most interesting things about COVID in 2020 is that, you know, prior to all of this, there's like countless dystopian novels and shows <laughs> and movies where, We live in this, like, high-tech world where no one wants to socialize anymore, and everyone's just super, super content just, like, being isolated in their homes, and this year, Mm -hmm. in some ways, like, disproved that, um, for better or worse, right? Because, like, especially here in the United States, I don't know how bad it has been in Canada, but here, right, it's just been, like... Mm -hmm rough trying to get people to really, really honor mask wearing and social distancing and like not gathering in large groups. But at the same time, it is really interesting that it just does show how hungry people are to socialize and that, yeah, I do hope that this new era is gonna bring about ways that yeah like have us find new creative ways to be able to connect with one another but still like keep each other safe and really kind of keep the bigger picture and the greater good in mind right that it's like not just about like me 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 and just like my need to like go to a party or whatever
0: yeah no it's interesting that you bring that up because i know a lot of people typically associate like at least capricorn aquarius and pisces sometimes sagittarius is like know, the universal signs, which makes sense because, you know, they're both ruled by the two social planets that are the last boundary between, like, the personal and, like, everything beyond the personal, right? And so, you know, with Aquarius, you know, being concerned with the collective, and, you know, like, what's normative versus not, or, like, just how the collective functions in general, regardless of how you feel about it, right? I think there's going to be more of this desire to, like, observe how we interact with each other and just, like, what's important to us and, like, you know, um, boundaries around that. Um, something I am concerned with is that, like, there's this—I know some people have different, you know, political whatever, and so something that I've been, like, sort of researching on the side is this whole, like, concept of the Great Reset that I keep seeing coming up with whether it's like the UN talking about it or like the World Economic Forum or like whoever like and so I was watching like a promo thing I think it came out in September and what's interesting is that the mean conjunction of um Jupiter and Saturn already happened back in September and like apparently back in September they released this video about a great reset and what it entails and so you know, I feel like that whole mission is probably going to become more um, clear. And I think, like, if people, you know, I know some people had the idea that, you know, um, Saturn, Jupiter, and Aquarius would bring about this need to decentralize things, if that makes sense. Because, you know, with the pandemic, like, you know, everybody kind of had to do their own thing locally. And, like, while well, it was true to an extent, I feel like at least watching the response to the pandemic in both the US and Canada, because there's the whole issue of like, what's the federal government responsible for versus what are the like local governments responsible for? I think there's gonna be this, um, I think like even if some people might not like the idea of centralization, like, you know, Saturn wants to consolidate, right? Um, I mean, Aquarius is kind of, Aquarius is not a mutable sign. It's not cardinal. It's fixed. It's fixed air. Like, it's ruled by Saturn. Saturn wants to consolidate, okay? And I feel like Jupiter with Saturn might, you know, at least allow or empower, you know, like, people who are responsible for, you know, gatekeeping or, like, setting limits to consolidate power in such a way where... They're able to enforce some of these larger restrictions. So I'm, uh, if anything, you know, from my point of view, I think if anything, like, the people who are pro, like, pro-federal government or even pro-world like world organizations might be able to make a case for themselves, or at least try to, whether they will be successful is another matter, but I think that's going to be a huge thing that comes up.
1: Yeah, I, I do think COVID has definitely shown just the cracks here in the U.S. You know, of a government system where if you mm-hmm. leave it up to a little too much to the local governments, it's just. It gets messy. Like, unfortunately, yeah, here in the U.S., I think one of the biggest problems that we had is that the Trump administration basically left the states to fend for themselves. I mean, there were occasional, there's CARES Act, some CARES Act money, and for a little bit, they provided some extra stimulus money to, like, give give people a little bit of boost in their unemployment checks. But all of that has gone away already. Yeah. and that but it, even in terms of just like a response and like how to actually deal with a pandemic the st- yeah the states basically were left to fend for themselves and then in some ways it was like human had to kind of fight for with each other for resources um so there just wasn't even just really room to collaborate like I know there initially was some like here in Hawaii right like our governor was trying to talk with like other west coast governors and like Mm-hmm. governor of Alaska, but, like, it just got to a point where they were just, like, too overwhelmed to, like, even to find ways to yeah. just, like, work together on these things, so I think you're right that I think there can be a greater case made for stronger federal government or just stronger, yeah. um, you know, like, transnational, like, type partnerships, you know? Yeah,
0: no, I mean, so in Canada, like, from what I, because I would say the first half of, like, all of this, I was watching the news obsessively, like, I was just, like, following it all the time, all day, every day, but, like, the sense that I got was that the government was willing to um, help the provinces out with whatever they needed, they just didn't want to overstep, like, the issue was that they didn't want to overstep the provinces, they're like, okay, these things need to happen, but it's up to the provinces, and then ultimately, the cities themselves, even within the province, like, to decide what they're gonna do. And um, so you saw that in some parts of Canada, like in the most Eastern parts, so Atlantic Canada, they had a bubble going for like much of the pandemic. And until recently, because recently like some of them are having issues with cases, so they've all like kind of isolated now. But until recently, like they were fine. They were just like, okay, only travel and movement within these like three or four provinces. Everywhere else like is restricted. Um, you know, the Western provinces just kind of did their own thing. And like, I think two of the most Western provinces still haven't joined the national, um, COVID app, every other province has. And so, you know, now they're dealing, even though they were fine at the beginning of the pandemic, now things are just out of control. And, um, you know, people are pressuring the local health authorities to like get on board with this thing because every, literally everywhere else, like people are joining. And so, um, I mean, even like at one point during the pandemic, the two largest provinces, so Ontario where I am and Quebec, like the French speaking province, like they, the governments had a joint summit about how to like deal because it's like the two of the provinces hold the majority of Canada's population. Like, I mean, there's just so many people and like, you know, they do a lot, because of the numbers you know a lot of the economy is affected so it's like um there was a lot of this attempt at like trying to do a coordinated thing but it wasn't quite where it needed to be and i think like you know organizations like the world health organization and all these other people like i think saturn jupiter in air signs will probably allow us to finally address like how equipped are these like transnational organizations and partnerships, or even, like, within a nation, like, how are these, like, response teams to, like, crises, whether it's economic or health, like, we've been dealing with this pandemic, or, like, um, you know, uh, like, if we're dealing with, like, war or something, how equipped are these organizations to, you know, deal with these responses?
1: Right. Like, look, like, I'm— I'm neither, like, I don't, I don't think I feel strongly, like, pro-federal government versus states, right? Like, I feel like I, it's kind of like, I'm in, like, eighth grade history, and we had to, like, debate this shit in class, like, we're, like, the founding fathers or whatever, but anyway, I, I think this is just peak Aquarius, though, like, that, you know, it took a virus and a pandemic to show us, like, you know, like, this, look, COVID doesn't know borders, like, it doesn't, like, fucking care about any of that, and it's, like, you can be, one state in the U.S., for example, and really, really have, like, the best, like, program set in terms of, like, health and safety, and you have all these standards in place, and you have, like, all of your, you know, your residents actually following the rules, but the state next door isn't doing that stuff, then it's a moot point.
0: Yeah, exactly, um, and, you know, it's really, especially being, like, the airy diurnal Saturn, Sign, like it's just, you know, like, you know, it's like, okay, um, the Capricorn Saturn period showed us that, you know, there's cracks in your foundation. This isn't working. You had to endure, like, whatever crisis. But, like, I feel like Aquarius, Saturn, and Jupiter, especially, like, it's just this time where it's like, okay, we dealt with, like, Pluto and Capricorn exacerbating all this shit, right? And we have time to take stock of like what we lost, and it's like really going to be a period of like um, how much can we go back to, and like how much can we keep going forward with and I think like what a lot of people don't realize about aquarius like I'm, I don't think of Aquarius as like uranian at all, like especially as I've gotten to know more aquarians or people with Aquarius placements, the Saturn is just so loud like it's loud. And it's like, because I've noticed that even when people try to describe the two types of Aquarians, like they go, oh, there's the innovator who's like ahead of their time and blah, blah, blah. And like, they're weird and they're outcast because they think about things that other people haven't. But there's also the reactionary Aquarius who's like, everything was good before. And like, I don't like where things are going. We need to go back. And so one example I think of is like, when people go, Oh, Aquarians are so progressive. Look at people like Amy Coney Barrett, who was just put on the report. She has a couple of planets in Aquarius. She's an Aquarius Sun. She's not innovative at all. She's very conservative. Most people would associate that, like most people who are not really deep in this astro stuff, go, Oh, she's how is she an Aquarius? There are plenty of Aquarians like her. It's like they have these not normative ideas of like how things should be and if anything she thinks that the original the original version of the constitution like i don't know what that means it's really vague but in her view whatever the author's intended is what she preserves and that's really vague and it's like unless you were those people you don't know what that meant and but again that's her view and that's how she interprets everything like you know, there are people, or, like, if you think of people who think we should go back to, I forget the political slash economic philosophy, but I think it's, like, anarcho-primitivism. It's, like, if you, if we, if we really want to be, like, ethical or whatever, we need to abandon society as it is and technology, and we basically need to go back to being. There's some people who believe that, like, I think that's, like, one manifestation of how, like, Aquarians being weird can show up, you know? It's a fixed air sign. It's like, okay, there are are ideas and um, rules and systems that they're willing to accept. Um, But I feel like, unlike Capricorn, which is like, you know, the more receptive, nocturnal Saturn, which is like, okay, I just have to endure limits as they're given to me. And if I erect the most um, sturdy structure I can withstand whatever life throws at me. That's not how Aquarius thinks. Aquarius is more experimental because it's, like, I can accept and reject what comes through, but it depends on, like, what standards I'm working with. And the standards don't change unless they have to. If that makes sense.
1: Like, yeah, no, totally. I think this is a good segue into, like, jumping into 2021. So I know you were asking earlier, should we just take this quarterly or do we kind of, like, Go month by month. I mean, I I know month to month can be too much, but I mean, there, I think there are just some months in 2021 that are actually kind of quiet. So maybe we don't even have to spend too much time. I think in we
0: it. should go month by month.
1: Because... I think so. Um, and you know, January is not one of those quiet months. So we could spend a good time on January. That's for freaking sure. But. Yeah, so speaking of Aquarius, as we said, Jupiter, we started off the 2021 already with both Jupiter and Saturn already in Aquarius, but then you have a bunch of the other planets just basically following suit, like the sun will move in there. Um, I'm
0: gonna gonna, um, pull up my astro software, and this is a good time to plug Luna, so... I have this software called um, Luna, and you can get it at LunaAstrology.com, and I believe they have, like, an app in the App Store or something. But anyway, like, I think you can pay for, like, a a $25 a year subscription or something just to use their software. Um, And once you have it, you can log in on multiple devices. It's cool. Like, I mean, you can't do all the fun, like, you know, um, stuff like you can in solar fire and astro gold and all that but like it's a pretty comprehensive software And if you're someone who just needs to throw up charts or like really like certain graphics you'll really get a lot of luna like and i believe they have like a lot of things like midpoints and like theoretical points and some asteroids so like you know you'll get you'll get a lot out of it and i highly recommend it if you want an affordable software um but anyway I have it going on the side. Um, January is—it's <laughs> interesting. Um, I don't know. How are you feeling about January? Because
1: it, it's. It still feels a little messy, like, I've just been telling people, because I think people are just like, oh my god, like, the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, like, or even people who know nothing about astrology, like, it's interesting, because I think people do already have this hope that things are going to be so much better in 2021, and that's great, like, I'm not here to crush people's dreams or anything, of but... Course. At the same time, like I'm like, okay, I don't think it's gonna be instantaneously better either. Tw- the January I think is a little bit messy because you start seeing all of these planets move into Aquarius by early February. Every single traditional planet, even the moon, like there's a new moon in Aquarius in like early February. Um, mm-hmm. Like every single traditional planet is gonna be in Aquarius, except for Mars and Taurus. And so you've got all of these Aquarius <laughs> planets squaring Mars in its detriment. And it just it just sounds like um, it just sounds like it's gonna be a repeat of what we were getting like early in you know, mid 2020 with the Saturn Mars squares of like really wanting to like move on things and then just Saturn just still like trying to put the brakes on things. And I just wonder if it'll have to do with the vaccine or if I wonder if it'll also have to do with the fact that Biden's gonna get inaugurated that month. It's I'm sure it'll be a lot of things.
0: How yeah. I think we should talk about Mars entering Taurus because that's like a huge deal because it's like, okay, I mean, I know Mars retrograde in Aries was not fun, but like Mars is pretty empowered to do things because that's one of his homes. Like he has a say in what happens, right? And, you know, with Mars entering Taurus, it's like, yeah, Mars is direct, but we get a huge dignity change. Like, and so... While you may have, you know, spent the last, um, so Mars went direct, what, like two weeks ago, literally two weeks ago, like you might spend between like now, cause we're recording this like the 27th, 28th of November, like, you know, um, you might feel empowered the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months, even to like a month and a half to like make all these changes and to do things pretty unimpeded because, you know, Mars is about to move out of its square configuration with, uh, well, Saturn's about to move out of its square configuration with Mars. And so Mars kind of has like a lot of, you know, say over some of the things that's been mulling over the past like two and a half months at this point. And so once that's, you know, once you get to Taurus, that's kind of over and so, Mars and Taurus, I mean the the good thing about Mars and Taurus is that Mars still has triplicity there unlike you know it like in Aries and so triplicity is a dignity that's kind of like described as you know having people around you who want to help you and so you know Mars and Taurus might be challenging in that sense but it's like okay like you know the polarity and the you know i guess the sect of the planet and the sect of the sign they agree so that's triplicity and so you know you might be feeling a lot more you know sluggish or like you might not be feeling as motivated to do new things so taurus is a fixed sign aries is cardinal you know um um aries is you know hot and fiery um taurus is cold so there's like a little bit of a lower energy It's not as volatile, it's more steady. And the thing is with this Taurus, Mars Taurus, it's almost like after you've covered all this ground in Aries and you've plowed through and you've gotten the thing you wanted or you've made space for the thing you want, maybe uh, Mars moving into Taurus might feel like being overly defensive of that. It's like, you don't want to give it up. You don't want to do anything different. And the thing is Mars isn't really Mars is the planet of severing and separating and conflict, right? It's kind of contrary to the whole, like, comfort, stability vibe that Taurus gives. And it doesn't help that Uranus is early in Taurus at this point, because Uranus is also really destabilizing. And so I'm wondering if Mars might be motivating people to, I guess, make certain changes that they wanna make in the Taurian part of their life, but if there is change, it might not be really dramatic, or maybe Mars might motivate people to be a little more resistant to the change they're being forced to make in the Taurian parts of their life.
1: Yeah, um, and I think those changes can be really like like low key, but much needed. You know, like just maybe mm. you know, like it's been a hard year. Maybe you just need to rest. You know, like yeah. I think a lot about this, like like. Yeah, like, just really emphasizing the fact that the shift is huge. Like, Mars has been in Aries for, like, over six months at this Mm -hmm. point. And, yeah, it was retrograde for a few months of that. And I feel like that retrogrades a lot like, you know, Mars is, like, a warrior – and it was, like, it's in Aries, it's, like, it's in the battlefield. It's, like, right where, like, really, really, like, loves to be, needs to be, and, like, really, really thrives, and then being retrograde plus squaring Saturn was, like, suddenly, like, it's a siege, and they're just having to kind of hunker down, and they, like, can't really attack, and, Mm -hmm. like, this last month of it is finally, like, I I do think December is nice, because Mars will finally start moving. It's, like, no longer stationing anymore. It's, like, getting through the rest of, like, um, Aries, like, and then by the end of this, like, by the second half of December, then it won't have that Saturn square anymore, as you said, and so I feel like there, there could be some potential for, like, some, finally, some, like, movement, some action we wanted in, like, the Aries part of life, mm-hmm. and then that Mars moves into Taurus, and it's, like, suddenly, like, like, it's, like, that warrior's in a day spa now, mm-hmm. and, and then on one hand, like, it's, like, I feel like it could be an opportunity to really be, like, celebratory and really just, like, you know, like, reap, like, the bounty of, like, your victories and, the, the, and just – or even just the fact that you survived 2020. But I think I think there will be a lot of impatience around that. I think people will still feel a lot of just the frustration wanting to just kind of move on things when maybe it is kind of mm-hmm. time to just, um, you know, circle the wagons and just rest.
0: Yeah, um, and what gets me is especially that um, – mars and um saturn will be in the square off for the first basically the first like six weeks of the year (laughs) they'll at least be in a sign-based um square off with each other um the difference between the one um that happened in like you know late summer of 2020 is that um at least uh you know saturn is in the sign of mars's exaltation so it's almost like Saturn is inclined to give Mars some concessions. And then when Mars stationed retrograde, I think they were both exchanging um, terms or bounds. So it's almost like, okay, yeah, I see Saturn kind of has insight into something that I need to do. And then for, um, you know, Saturn's perspective, it's like, okay, I kind of have to give Mars some leeway here, right? Um, The thing is, like, you know, with Saturn going into its preferred domicile because it's like, okay, it matches the sect of Saturn, like, um, and Mars has no dignity in Aquarius. Not only that, Mars is very disempowered (laughs) in Taurus. It's almost going to feel like Saturn just has the ability to do whatever the hell it wants, right? And so with Jupiter being near Saturn, it's almost like Jupiter is, like, cosigning whatever Saturn's doing. It's like, okay, Yes, Saturn has authority, but I'm also a benefic. I want to make Saturn's job easier, right? It's not that, you know, Jupiter being a benefic, even though it'll be configured to a square with Mars, will try to, like, allow Mars to accept what's happening, (laughs) even though Mars might not be resistant. So it's like this square is a lot more tense than the one we had last year, or the square next year is going to be a little more tense because, you know, Mars has no dignity in Taurus and it has no dignity in Aquarius. I mean, well, Mars is debilitated in Taurus and has no dignity. So it's almost like this authority has been giving, like, a blank check to do whatever and set whatever boundaries and then is imposing all this, like, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this on Mars and Taurus. which is frustrating, and what doesn't help is that this might be a little more volatile than people are expecting because Mars is going to be with Uranus, which is creating all this instability, and Mars Uranus aspects tend to be a bit a bit chaotic and inflammatory
1: so with on that note <laughs> um, <laughs> Mars exactly conjoins Uranus and on this day is also pretty closely squaring jupiter and saturn especially jupiter like i think the aspects only like a degree apart and that's on inauguration day or the us inauguration day january 20th
0: yep the 20th um it's it's yeah it's pretty bad uh that's a pretty tense aspect um i mean as Venus... I don't think Venus is in Aquarius at this point.
1: No, Venus doesn't get into Aquarius until, like, I think February 1st.
0: I mean, 1st, the yeah. only good part about January is that, like, I think, like, about two, like, two days after Mars is in Taurus, Venus does enter Capricorn. And, like, I mean, Venus is going to be the dispositor of Mars. And, like, they do make... I think they make a nice aspect at some point. Like, before... Mars starts squaring Jupiter and Saturn. But and this, yeah. will be,
1: this will be Venus's first time in Capricorn without Saturn and fallen Jupiter there. Yeah. In how long has it been? Like three years?
0: <laughs> oh, God, it's been a couple of years. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, this might be really nice for Venus. Like, yeah, Pluto is there, but like, at least it's not like Saturn and Jupiter and you know, all this other stuff happening. So, um, but yeah, no, Inauguration Day looks pretty tense because, okay, and then to make matters a bit worse, like, the sun, like, before, the day before, I think, or, like, around the same day, like, just enters Aquarius. So, you've got the sun not happy in Aquarius. You've got Mars not happy in Taurus. Um, and that, to me, feels a lot like a day where, like, you know, people are being forced to accept something they don't want, right? Or, like, um, if we take the sun as, like, the authority figure. You know, there's a stressed out or, like, um, you know, there's a stressed out authority figure who's kind of at the mercy of the people because Saturn, the Saturn-Sun dichotomy can also be seen as, like, the ruler versus the people or the opposition, right? And, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, some group of people, you know, chose the leader and are happy with him, and the son is beholden to this person, or, you know, the structure or system or something, and there is a group of people who are very agitated with that. Um, On the one hand, like, they might be, you know, disempowered, or like, they're not in a position to really act out their impulses. Like, for me, personally, I'd be more worried if it was, say... Mars and Scorpio, because that's a really overpowered Mars, right? And so this is like a, you know, demoralized, defeated, or like, slown down um, uh, Mars and Taurus. And don't, like, make no mistake, there will be resistance here, like a lot of resistance and tension. But again, Saturn and the sun and Jupiter, they're in superior position. Not only that, Saturn who's dispositing the sun and Jupiter um, in Aquarius at this point is, you know, powerful and in really good shape. So it's almost like, you know, you're really angry and you want to challenge something, but you don't have the resources at your disposal. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I even just like, even just looking at the fact that, like, okay, all of these, like, yeah, Mars and Taurus, as well as Uranus, as well, will have Contra like aspects with these Aquarius placements. <laughs> like, it just yeah. adds to just, like, the sneakiness i guess of you know any opposition but yeah, yeah. i still lean toward it does not really have it getting much traction but it is going to be potentially loud and annoying or
0: frustrating yeah it's going to be annoying it's going to be loud and the only thing that's annoying is that you know again like i mentioned before mars has triplicity in Taurus. so like while these like agitated people whether this is like the opposition to you know the incoming government or whatever um there will be support behind it but it's disempowered support like you can't really it's not as effective in doing mars things um and this might be a time where a better use of your energy is to aggressively stabilize that which you have control over rather than like being overtly rebellious and um you know trying to destabilize a structure Um, that being said, if you find that you're on the Saturn side of things, like, you might find that this is an obstacle to you trying to either consolidate something or, like, to create order or, um, to establish an important system of something. Um,
1: I think, um, the last big thing in January that we have not touched on is that on January 30th, this is, like, right at the end of the month, (laughs) mercury stations retrograde in aquarius and we'll kick off two years in a row of mercury retrogrades in the air signs
0: oh my god um (laughs) yeah that's another thing so like i know we kind of got a taste at various points last year of the mercury retrogrades kind of moving from water to uh, air signs but like this year we're solidly in air Um, like all the retrogrades start and end in air signs, so there's no ambiguity. And so, um, what a lot of people can benefit from is thinking about Mercury retrogrades in terms of, like, the elements or, like, the triplicity of whole sign houses that are being activated. So, like, um, one thing that is useful from some groups of modern astrology is the grouping of houses. So, like, one, five, and nine are kind of like the houses of identity and self-expression um two six five two six ten are obviously career and location. um three seven eleven are like relationships with people um and then four eight and twelve are like houses of endings secrets and like legacies so um yeah so like um you know for air sign you know air risings or whatever like this will be a lot more about like what you want to express right um for water risings this is going to be a lot more about hidden things or things you don't really deal with or things that happen in private
1: that's you um, that's what you're <laughs> gonna get to deal with
0: right um earth signs this is going to be about like career and what you're doing and like how you make money right uh, so that's you <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> fire signs for you this is going to be your relationships um and so i mean i feel like I feel like you and I talked about this, but, like, the air sign retrogrades are going to feel more like classic Mercury retrogrades. Like, do you want to speak to that a
1: bit? Or? Yeah, like, you know, even like what we were saying earlier with, not just Aquarius, but just like what all the air signs have in common is that they are like the human signs and that mm-hmm. um, we talked so much about how this jupiter Saturn conjunction will be a lot about just like how do we connect with other people. Um, find new ways to do it and so um yeah that said I think like a lot of the air signs do deal with how we connect with one another and sometimes that is like especially in our age today it is about like technology it is about like or it is actually like about conversations just interactions we have with one another um all that kind of stuff and so yeah I do think that when Mercury is retrograde in the air signs it does kind of lead to some of the classic like breakdowns in technology or travel delays or um issues with miscommunication between people or the social mishaps, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff.
0: Yeah. Um no, I definitely agree. Um what's funny is that oh we forgot to talk about this like the day before, but like I feel like that whole week leading up to the Mercury retrograde station in Aquarius, is just pretty, it's pretty busy. Like, so like first you get the sun, Saturn, and Aquarius, um, which is, you know, again, like three days after the inauguration. (laughs) And I don't know that just to me screams like, okay, true consolidation of authority that benefit that is supposed to be beholden to the people or some higher structure. Right. And then you have this full moon in Leo, like, later in the week that kind of amplifies things. Um, and then on that same day, I think the sun conjoins Jupiter. So it's like, okay, after this, whatever covenant you make to, like, assume power, it's like, okay, here are the benefits of power now, right? Obviously still answer, beholden to, like, whatever agreement or standard you made. But still, it's it feels a lot nicer than being conjunct Saturn and then um you know mercury goes retrograde in aquarius and so like um i mean what's nice about this is that when mercury goes retrograde in the air signs at least mercury will have like triplicity in air signs so there's almost like at least with communication things it's not that they're always going to go well but it's almost like there will be more of like an investment from all parties and like making sure that you can actually like Hash out like what needs to be hashed out appropriately. Um, I mean, Mercury's pretty off-axis during its like retrograde station. Like, it's not really aspecting anything. Because um, usually, you want to look at whether a planet is making aspects with another planet when it's stationing, because that kind of colors like the um, tone. I mean, yeah, there's a bunch of planets in Aquarius, but You know, I like to look at the degree based like, okay, how close is this and how much of an influence is this other planet going to have. And I don't think we get that till the direct station.
1: I think the other thing I do like about yeah, Mercury, like, stationing retrograde in the air signs versus, especially after coming off of a year of it in the water signs, is, like, you know, the water signs are also, like, traditionally known as the mute signs. Mm-hmm. And I do think one of the problems with Mercury retrograde in the water signs is it's, like, at least in the air signs, it's, like, yeah, maybe we will deal with just some of the kind of classic just, like, retrograde issues, you know, but at least, like, it's out there. I felt like yeah. a lot of Mercury retrograde and water sign stuff was just, like, a lot of what wasn't being said. Um, and as yeah. someone was an Earth Rising and those, like, water signs are in my relationship houses, it was just, like, a lot of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Like, I had issues with, like... I know that with mine, I had issues with, like... And it wasn't because, like, I wasn't capable of... Um, expressing myself. Um, Because again, I think what a lot of people don't realize about Mercury is that Mercury is also a a planet of exchange and trade. And like, you know, you disseminate and trade information, you trade stocks, you trade whatever, right? And sometimes like Mercury can represent like people not um, taking what you're saying in the right way. And so I found that Mercury in the water signs was more about like, people not being receptive to what I was trying to communicate, rather than like, me not being communicative, right? Um, Right. So yeah, no, that's something that people have to watch. Um, I mean, I feel like the party in Aquarius really starts um, at the beginning of February, because that's when Venus enters.
1: Yes. So Venus is there all in this Aquarius pile up and then on February 11th, so it's not even too far into the month, then we get this mm-hmm. new moon in Aquarius I'd mentioned earlier where yeah, it's pretty much every single traditional planet except for Mars and Taurus. Yeah. It's, there.
0: And <laughs> it's rough because I think around that same time of the new moon, I think like Mercury has just finished its square with Mars, right? And so You know, like kind of like we talked about before, like the whole Mars Saturn square off is like some authority is like consolidating power and like coming up with all these either new rules or like reintroducing old rules and enforcing them in a way that is not gelling well with like whatever we're trying to disrupt in the Torian parts of our life. And I feel like all of the planets being in. Aquarius at this point in a superior square to like what's happening in Taurus is going to feel really, really tense and stressful that day. Um, And it's basically like whatever Aquarius is doing in your chart is affecting a lot of different parts of your life. And Mars is kind of like the lone soldier trying to it's like, okay, this is the one thing I want to preserve, this is the one thing I want to keep, and I will fight to the death to keep it, but it's almost like all these parts of your life are demanding that you either accept this, this boundary, or like, you know, or else. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: Yeah um mercury will still be retrograde (laughs) i think one thing that's kind of interesting about this retrograde is that it's gonna conjoin jupiter three times total so it had already done it once when it was still direct um in january and january 11th and then it does it again actually on valentine's day (laughs) and that's the same day that Saturn also enters its shadow period, (laughs) so happy Valentine's Day everyone, I guess, and then it does it a third time in March, but I do think um, that'll, that'll be interesting in terms of just, like, okay, like, if Jupiter is there in Aquarius with Saturn, like, you kind of said earlier, you know, just in some ways, like, Yeah, Saturn is the ruler of Aquarius, but I think Jupiter's, like, yeah, Jupiter's, like, I'm a benefic, I, like, here's some new things to try, you know, or here's some, like, new
0: opportunities,
1: or, like, let's expand this, let's grow that. I feel like those, like, those, on a global scale anyway, those, like, Mercury conjunctions could, like, in some ways just kind of maybe, like, amplify or, like, kind of communicate that stuff out, and, Mm -hmm. um it'll be interesting what the retrograde will bring because i wonder if there is going to be some like either backtracking or just like even just like further pushing forward on these kinds of points you know
0: like so what makes me optimistic is that like literally the day before um uh the mercury Jupiter conjunction happens again mercury is like basically besieged by or like enclosed by the benefics oh yeah and from both mars and saturn so it's almost like um, whatever, you know, whatever Mercury area, you know, whatever areas Mercury rules in your chart, and, um, you know, the Aquarius part of your life is triggering, um, you know, like Venus and Jupiter might be there to, like, bring some temporary relief before, you know, (laughs) um, Mercury has to basically, like, I don't, no, Mercury doesn't conjoin Saturn, does it? No, I don't, so it, it just misses like conjoining saturn again but like yeah. it comes close to whatever saturn was trying to accomplish at that point um but i think around the time mercury stations on like the 20th or the 21st or is it the 21st and the 22nd i think it's
1: the 20th when it's the
0: 20th future. okay yeah so literally that time around that time Mercury's going direct, Mars and Venus are squaring each other, and, um, you know, like, again, Venus is the ruler of Taurus, and, you know, Mars is not happy there, so kind of depends on Venus to um, provide guidance, and, you know, Venus, I mean, she's in a decan that could be associated with her, which is nice, but, you know, otherwise, she doesn't really have any authority in Aquarius and so this kind of feels to me like Venus kind of being like okay Mars we kind of have to get on board with whatever agenda Saturn is pushing and so there might be this tension in like your ability to relate with people especially because Venus and air signs can be more like find more value or pleasure in exploring certain ideas and in, in Venus's case she might be more interested in upholding some objective rule or like maintaining a status quo worth maintaining or like rejecting a status quo than like mars is and so mars kind of has to accept whatever venus is trying to do um yeah it might be stressful but
1: yeah and and then but then you know on the 25th venus moves into pisces
0: yeah uh, i mean we kind of missed out on the sun entering pisces with oh my the- bad
1: sorry sorry son <laughs> I, I am mean, super excited fine. about venus and pisces is why
0: no it's okay like i mean it will be <laughs> great some pisces will be pretty nice so like you know i think that'll make for a happier mars even because it's like okay my ruler's doing better um I think oh it was God. you
1: who was talking to me, like, before we recorded this about, um, was it you, is it this one where it's like, yeah, Venus does not, hold on, yeah.
0: I'm trying to remember,
1: there's something about the Kazimi, the Sun Venus Kazemi. <laughs> yep. <Yeah.
0: laughs> it sucks, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but what's nice is that I think we get a full moon in Virgo, like, two days after Venus goes into Pisces. We do. Yeah, but what's good is that Mercury is finally direct. <laughs> yes. Yes. That'll, yeah. That'll be um, a lot nicer and more constructive for how that moon feels. Um, let me see. So, I mean, March, I feel like once we get out of February, like March is kind of a different animal. Because-
1: it really is. Like, we start off the month pretty early with Mars entering Gemini. So we just talked okay. a whole bunch about this poor Mars and Taurus, honestly. And then now it's going to be in Gemini. It's no longer squaring Jupiter, Saturn, and Aquarius. And I, I think Mars and gen- Gemini in general is already just going to be a burst of energy that like people are just going to want to direct in all different areas and maybe perhaps in too many different things. And um, I think it could be a lot... I do think it's like going to be really interesting that the Aries ingress is going to happen this month, right? It happens on March 20th, now, and we're going to yeah. start a whole new kind of year in some ways. Um, and it's going to be ruled by that Mars and Gemini.
0: That is a very good point. Um, the, the thing I like about Mars and Gemini is that it spends much of the time in a sign based, like, trine, if not like degree based trine, with. Um, you know, Saturn and Jupiter, and, like, I don't know, I don't think it'll catch up with Mercury by that point, because Mercury will go into Pisces. Um, The only issue I have is that uh, Mars is co-present with the North Node. Uh, (laughs) So, the North Node, the way, a way to think about the nodes is, like, um, the North Node is, like, a head without a body, and then the South Node is, like, a body with no head. So the South Node is more content. It has, it's, you know, it's not hungry, it's fulfilled, but like, it doesn't really have direction. Um, You know, it's the things you have, the resources you have, talents you have, whatever. Whereas the North Node is like, I have all these ideas, I have these things I want, but because there's no body or thing to keep it grounded, it's constantly needing more and more. And so what's interesting is that Mars and Taurus was probably, you know, slowly thinking about the thing it wanted to do, even though it wasn't happy with like, it's like, okay, I had all this free reign to do whatever the hell I wanted, right? Then it stopped and I had to sit there and endure for like six weeks and just work hard, work, you know, fixate on this one goal because it's the one thing that will keep me from, you know, going off or something. I feel like, you know, Mercury here, even though Mercury is not in the superior trine I'm sorry, not Mars is not in the superior trine. A trine relationship is a little more um, constructive in the sense that, you know, because the elements match, or like you know the elements should match if you're using like insign aspects. um, There's almost this like desire for the planets to affirm what the other is doing. So maybe um, Gemini Mars indicates like okay instead of being obsessed with this one thing and trying to hold on to it i want to go in other directions right and the thing is you know maybe saturn and aquarius is okay with that because it's like i've been telling you no for like six weeks and it's like oh you want to do something different fine but like there might be this obsession with doing things differently where you know um whereas you know mars and taurus might be you know, stubborn and stagnant, but it's really good at conserving energy. I think some of that's lost when uh, Mars goes into Gemini. Like, what do you think?
1: I agree. I I do think one of the biggest worries about this transit is, uh, yeah, I think people need to just watch out for spreading yourself too thin. Because I think there is going to be a lot of just urgency to want to just try all the different things or maybe try new things. Even a few new things can be a lot of energy expended. So I would definitely caution people about that. And mm-hmm. But overall, I think, I, yeah, I, I like the trine. I like the trines. And I yeah I do think the North Node there in Gemini is definitely something to just kind of like keep an eye on or just, you know, just keep in mind but overall I like it and I think it goes even just goes back to what you were saying earlier even when we were talking about Mercury retrograde and air signs right like we're now going to have Jupiter and Saturn in Aquarius and air sign now trining this Mars and Gemini and air sign. so for all of you listening just like keep in mind like what um where does that triplicity fall in your chart like if yeah if you're earth rising like me it's going to be like these career houses right like the second sixth and tenth and so forth and so
0: on, so. Yeah, um, one thing about, like, the first ingress is that I think literally the day after, Mercury meets its final conjunction with Jupiter, so, like, I would definitely be extra, like, cautious about wanting to do everything at once, like, because, you know, the ruler of Mars is gonna be having maybe not, like, as expansive a view of things as it would if, you know, like, Jupiter was in like Pisces or Sag, right? And Mercury was making this conjunction, but like still pretty expansive. And so um, there might need to be some caution around like how um, excitable people are getting. Um, March is also really interesting because there's a lot of like Neptune and like Sun-Venus action going on in the middle of the month. Yeah,
1: I'm looking at that Venus conjoining Neptune on Pisces. It's the same day that Mercury exits its shadow. Oh the same day as
0: the moon, actually. Oh yeah.
1: shoot, yeah. There's a lot going on that day. So I just kind of wonder if, yeah, the new moon in Pisces, like Mercury will be out of its shadow. I wonder if there'll just be kind of some of this feeling of like, you think you have clarity, but maybe not maybe there are some things
0: (laughs) i think it's like a very it's a it's a time where people might feel very like inspired and like there might be some overly floweriness when it comes to like what you feel is possible like you know while but this also feels very what's interesting is that it's like unlike you know 2020 which is very cardinal focused I feel like it's, like, one thing's going on in mutable signs, and then another thing is going on in um, fixed signs. So, like, whatever the hell is going on in the Pisces part of your life, like, you're just, I mean, yes, Jupiter kind of, like, gives it a relationship because, you know, the ruler of Pisces is there, right? And so, um, but, like, it's almost like, you know, there's this dreaminess that's going on in that part of your life um and i feel like this might not be the set of days to really um i'm not saying like you know follow don't follow your dreams but it's like i feel like without you know saturn being on axis like you know in a sign-based relationship because at least with saturn and capricorn there was some groundedness to whatever dreaminess or like Ideals or glamour or illusion that Neptune is providing in the Pisces part of your life, but Saturn is kind of like not there to provide that um, boundary, I guess, or to provide clear boundaries where there are where there appear to be none
1: yeah, like it seems like it's probably gonna be a fun it could be a fun transit like yeah, again but- yeah it, it, it could be fun, but in terms of making really huge life altering decisions. Maybe.
0: Yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> would like, not
1: would not recommend.
0: No. Um, but like what's fun is that like literally right after that, Mercury goes into Pisces. Like two <laughs> days later. So whatever like clarity or whatever you thought you were having at the end of um, um the Mercury retrograde, I think that just kind of evaporates. (laughs) Um, And, you know, because Mercury is like in its um, depression and detriment in Pisces, so it's like extra debilitated. This isn't to say that like having a Pisces Mercury is bad. Um, They're actually very, very eloquent and like, well, very thoughtful um, Pisces Mercury natives. It's just that Mercury is kind of like, I don't want to say it's like Saturn, but it's kind of similar to Saturn in that it's, it prefers, um, you know, uh, slightly drier environments um, where, you know, there's, um, I guess, like a clearer separation between things. It doesn't want things to flow together too much. Like Mercury is contrasted with Jupiter in that Jupiter wants to, create cohesive, huge narratives, whereas Mercury wants, you know, precision, definition, like, and Pisces is not really an environment where Mercury can do that. And so, you know, while Mercury and air signs can kind of allow you to connect things in a way where they're not necessarily flowing together like soup, right, Um, you know, things are kind of flowing together like soup. Goes into Pisces, which is fine because it can allow you to attempt, I guess, refining some of the inspiration you were getting, you know, with a lot of the conjunctions with, you know, the Neptune and the Sun and Venus and all that. So I think that'll be nice.
1: Yeah. You know, that Mercury and Pisces is now going to be ruling that Mars and Gemini. So that's just like another thing to like kind of keep in mind too of just, yeah, maybe maybe precision or just clear decision-making will be a strong suit, like, at this point, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it's, like, awful, awful either.
0: No, I think, um, Um, but, you know, the fun, the funny thing that I, like, noticed is that, like, so, like, Pal was mentioning earlier, um, you know, around the, um, the equinox, um, the Aries Ingress, you know, just when you think um, the sun and Venus will conjoin in Pisces, which will be nice because, um, you know, the Kasimi is great and, you know, when planets are in their domicile or exaltation and they're that close to the sun, they're said to be in the chariot, so protected from being under the beams, right? And when it's a Kasimi, it's super powerful because it's very purifying. But we don't get that. <laughs> so, so sad. Uh, you know which is it's not it's not terrible um it's not not bad but um you know it would have been it would have been nice it really would have been nice um so around the 20th you know the sun enters aries as it usually does um in that time frame and then literally the day after venus um also enters aries so again this is a huge dignity change for venus while you know um Venus is, um, you know, Venus, you know, kind of likes, you know, this whole bringing things together thing, right? You know, Pisces is very good for that. You know, no boundaries, things flowing together, whatever. Um, (laughs) Venus can't really do Venus things in Aries and, you know, she starts to enjoy things like conflict and, you know, separation and um, things like that and so, you know, a more focus on, you know, the self and like gaining recognition for, you know, your individuality because, you know, Aries is where the sun exalts. And so this is good for the sun because, you know, the sun is exalted in Aries, but it's not as great for Venus, especially when she's combust. But, um, uh, I don't know if people have noticed, but you know, when, when, um, Venus goes direct and she's about to, um, change her um change her solar phase so instead of being a morning star she's making her ever so slow transition into being an evening star again and um venus venus's conjunction with the sun so the kazemi is actually a very very slow gradual process when she's direct as opposed to when she's retrograde it's literally like maybe a day but no like they spend about a week, like, really, really close to each other, just, like, <laughs> chasing each other, basically. Or Venus chasing the sun, rather.
1: Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think Venus and Aries will be interesting. I mean, the sun's there with it, right? And as you said already, the sun's exalted, and Aries, <laughs> and so... On one hand, it seems like a good time, yeah, of just really, really, like, advocating for yourself and really, really pushing forward your self-interest, but, mm-hmm. yeah, when it comes to Venusian things, like, connecting with others and compromise, maybe not so much.
0: Yeah, um, what's even crazier is that, like, they're still technically within orb of being Kazimi, like, the day of the, uh, Libra full moon, uh, on the 28th, so, um, Yeah, um, so, you know, Venus is ruling this full moon in Libra, and is being, like, you know, cleansed by the sun and, like, slowly moving into her, um, evening star phase, which is a very different brand of Venus, and so, you know, like, this might be a time to make that final push in advocating for yourself, as Powell mentioned, because Venus and Aries tends to do that or to, um, you know, forge, like, really intense relationships that, like, help you, like, I guess, showcase yourself in some way. But, like, as Venus moves out of that, like, you know, warrior Venus phase, which can be, like, uh morning star Venus, she's moving into her more, like, okay, I'm gonna let things come to me, like, you know, the magnetic, charming, like, you know, stereotypical Venus with sex appeal. Like, you know, you know, it's not like I want to fight everybody, Venus. It's like, I just want people to shower me with goodies, Venus. And so I think this marks a period where like people can really, um, maybe there's an important like conversation or negotiation that needs to happen that can allow you to become less of the warrior and more of the, you know, person that um, people want to give things to. that makes
1: sense, like, yeah, it's like the, you know, it's the, like, the old saying, right, it's, um, more effective to draw flies with honey, or however the fuck that goes, (laughs) but, yeah, it is a little bit. It'll be
0: very spicy, honey, (laughs) (laughs) but, still honey.
1: (laughs) That, Uh, anything else on March? I mean, I think that's all I got. The only thing
0: that weirds me out is that, you know, okay, so, um technically a lot of these planets are having um mercury in pisces as their dispositor because you know it disposits mars right and uh at the end of the month um mercury constrains neptune (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah i don't know how do you feel about that
1: (laughs) I mean, we, yeah, we, we talked already about like what Mercury in Pisces is like and just some of the struggles that it has being in both its detriment and its fall. And I think Mercury conjoining Neptune is just like peak that. Like, I think that's as like, um, I mean, it, it can, yeah, at best it's dreamy and mm-hmm. whimsical. At worst, it's confusing as hell and yeah. unclear and unrealistic
0: yeah oh my god i can't believe we forgot this because i'm also looking at like um the sun venus Mm -hmm. literally during that whole period like mars is basically conjoined the north node like so i feel like i think it peaks on like the 26th but basically like this is a time where people should probably like temper some of their expectations around like being able to charge forward, especially because I think like Mars is in his Deccan. So it's like, at this point, it's like maybe with Mercury in it's detriment and depression, it's like, you're starting to realize, Hmm, this dream that I had is falling apart. And like, maybe there's this obsession about everything that's going wrong. And like, it feels like there are too many contradictions for you to make things happen. And so this might be the backdrop of a lot of this, um, you know, Venus, Sun, Kazemi, slash um, Uber full moon stuff. Um, People might be feeling a lot more aggressive. It might not be, like, it might be, like, really verbal, too, and, like, mental, Um, especially as Mercury gets closer to its conjunction with um, Neptune. There might be a lot of disillusionment that is happening, and, you know, with Mars and a Mercury-rolled sign, conjunct the north node, which can indicate like hunger for something. I'm wondering if this might be a period where people are starting um, <clears throat> more conflict than they need to because of misunderstandings or like um, unspoken expectations hmm. or something. I don't yeah. know.
1: Yeah. No, I, I do think that is definitely a possibility of mm-hmm. um because yeah, I do think some of Mercury Neptune is like not even like it, it's not just the kind of like unrealistic where you have like huge dreams and they're like yeah. no way grounded in reality. It could be exactly what you said. It could be like that the flip side of that is also just being like everything's falling apart, mm-hmm. like nothing's going right, and just like being in this fog of like your own this negative <laughs> self-talk
0: hmm yeah no exactly and i think like the conjunction is actually happening in like mars's terms so it's like and Deccan. so it's like really it's very tense and like um there might be this feeling of like okay i put all this effort in for what i made all these sacrifices for what and like there's just this like emphasis on like i guess what's lacking and like this need to resuscitance and, like, this lack of satiety almost, I, I feel like that's gonna become very apparent.
1: I do think that, yeah, that Mars ruled, like, second in of Gemini really is, like, the peak of, like, okay, you're doing a bunch of things, and then now you're kind of starting to realize, like,
0: it's oh, like, oh, uh duality, like,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: do it all, right?
1: Yeah, and maybe, you know, when Mars like later on like moves into the third Deccan, then maybe there is some like a little bit more reconciliation or like figuring out what your priorities are, figuring out like what it's say that you're like, or maybe there are ways to do both or all or some or whatever. But yeah, that second decade really is like, oh shit, this 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 might be a lot. Okay. Maybe with a bit of duality.
0: And I like April a lot better in that regard for like um Mercurial things because um I think on the third or fourth, depending on where you are, like Mercury finally moves out of Pisces into Aries where he's dry and technically in a sign based like mutual reception with Mars. So this will be good.
1: <laughs> I like Mercury and Aries. Like I to seminal, I don't think it has any dignity there. It might have it bound there, but yeah, I. But, yeah, I can stand a Mercury and Aries.
0: I mean, like you can't really be mad at it. It's like, okay, we finally got over like maybe the big disappointment, or like, you know, we finally like have felt all of our feelings about something, and you know, I feel like Mercury going into Aries is like, okay, I had this you know emotional epiphany or this emotional experience here's what I'm going to do about it, like, decisively and clearly, like,
1: yeah, um, and then, like, maybe, like, uh, about a week after is then we get the new moon and Aries, mm-hmm. and I still have to look at the chart exactly of what's
0: happening about it. Um, but. new moon and Aries, you said, okay, yeah, it's, like, on the 11th, actually, um, yeah. what's nice is that, um, you know, Venus is still technically an orb, um, you know, Venus is close. Jupiter is also like overcoming this pretty closely. So it's like it's almost like I I don't know. This this seems a lot more constructive to me than the um, Libra full moon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. especially because you know Venus is in her own deck and, and like you know she's about to go into Taurus, and this is a Mars ruled um lunation. And Mars is like again a mutual reception with Mercury, so this feels a lot more like constructive. Like, okay, here's the actual way forward.
1: Yeah, it, it looks yeah, it looks nice to me. There's really no harsh aspects happening here. You got like all the Mart Mar- and the, all the Aries stuff is sextiling the Aquarius, and then like sextiling Mars in Gemini. It's yeah. Seems
0: the good. only thing I'm worried about is um, that Venus is squaring Pluto on the same day. So, um, you know, with Venus square Pluto, there's a lot of um tendency for, you know, obsessive, um maybe obsessed with like achieving certain pleasures. I mean, because Venus is not really ruling the lunation, I'm not as concerned about that, but that might be an undertone that's there. Um, especially because, you know, Pluto's technically still overcoming the lunation by square. So, there might be some, you know, power struggle type thing. I mean, on the whole, it's probably going to turn out more constructive than not. But, you know, that, that theme of wanting power or disputes over power or authority are definitely there. Like, no doubt about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I can definitely see that, um, and then yeah, as you said, Venus is inching toward Taurus, and then on April fourteenth, we will finally enter. And uh, I'm 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 excited about this Taurus season overall. Like it seems pleasant. Like you'll get Venus pretty soon after you get the Sun in there. Then Mercury mm. will be in there, and the only like thing really is Uranus is there too and uh, yeah uranus is yeah uranus is it's a wild card we who knows what we'll get with all
0: those yeah um, there. yeah like they all go into taurus like within like a couple of days of each other it's like um i mean i'm pretty happy about venus and taurus i can't really be mad um The only thing that I don't like is that, you know, she is the first one to encounter Uranus, and (laughs) we'll square Saturn first. And so, I mean, the only good thing about this is that unlike Mars' situation earlier in the year, I feel like Venus is in a position to hold her ground. As you know, she's empowered in Taurus. Whereas like, you know, it's kind of like, okay, Saturn's telling me to do whatever the fuck, but I, have the final say over what's going on here. It's tense. This might be a period of like reevaluating, reevaluating certain commitments to people, especially like emotional or like possibly monetary or resource wise. Um, especially because like Venus conjunct Uranus or Venus in heart aspect with Uranus kind of like makes me think of changing tastes. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like these changing tastes are like Um, it's like, okay, I have this changing taste, what am I going to do about it, right, and that's Venus's primary concern, but it's almost like Saturn is just kind of, like, reminding Venus, this is the, you know, commitment you made, or you said, you signed up for this, but Venus is also like, yeah, but here's the reality of my day-to-day, and, like, you know, how I'm feeling about this is different, right, than, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I made it's like I, I feel like, yeah oh
1: sorry I uh, you can finish your thought
0: no no like that's pretty much it <laughs> like,
1: yeah I um I wonder if some of this will echo back to just some of the Saturn Mars square tension that we got for the first six weeks mm-hmm. of 2020 and that but with this being like maybe a Venus and Taurus that um, it's like opposition that has changed its strategy more effectively and yeah. um you know again I'm, I'm not a fan in any way of the Trump administration or his followers like by any means but it might not even mean necessarily them like I do I do wonder if like Venus in Taurus is even like Venus also represents like our values and stuff mm-hmm. right as well as how we connect with other people and I wonder if there will be a more effective pushback on something because like I also don't have any like grandiose like um, dreams that Biden's gonna really change this system or overhaul things overnight. I think there's also a lot we no. are gonna have to really, like, push him and his Yeah, um, do, and I just wonder if some of that
0: will pop up. It's good that you mentioned that because, like, you know, he's all about, he even advertised himself as such a return to decency, right? Like, re- like, returning some, like, nostalgic ideal. And, like, the thing is, Aquarius can be very much that people think, oh, Aquarius future, not necessarily. Like, sometimes it's like, if the past was better, let's bring it back, right? And so, you know, this might be that, and um, maybe the, and, you know, it's not just people, you know, who are per Trump who oppose Biden. There are plenty of people who are further left of Biden who are not happy yeah. with it. And so, you know, I mean, whether it's them or those people, maybe there's, like, some sort of consolidation of maybe changing values, because again, fixed signs like to consolidate, you know, especially those that are either earthy or Saturn-ruled, like, it's what they do, right, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, Taurus being one of the most fixed signs, in my opinion, Um, you know, like, it's like, okay, these are values, and here, maybe there's, like, even some kind of like surprise that makes people more aware of what their values are and it, it, it creates an opportunity for some more legitimate or accepted, um, I guess, criticism of whatever authority or rule structure that Saturn is trying to crystallize in Aquarius. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, if, if I were to have some hope of what this transit could be, like, I would hope it's, like, yeah, maybe some of the opposition around government or around this administration will start veering less around, like, mask wearing and, like, personal freedoms and, like, you know, like, fighting against social distancing and, like, this this pandemic stuff. And, more toward maybe just some of, hopefully some of the bigger just structural issues like especially around the economy for example like hopefully there'll be mm-hmm. like more of a push to like make sure biden actually holds to his campaign promises and actually does increase taxes on people who make five hundred thousand dollars or more or you know mm-hmm. like providing help for the people who are still unemployed because of the pandemic or just all that kind of stuff yeah. that would be my I, hope
0: <laughs> you know what's interesting so literally while this whole like Venus conjunct Uranus and like Venus squaring Saturn thing happens like around the twenty second to the twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, Mars moves into Cancer <laughs> on the twenty third of April. Like so, we get Mars um, debilitated again. <laughs> um, so you know, while you know you have this short burst of energy to like do things and stuff. Um, you know, you know, I I think a lot of people really sleep on Mars and Cancer. Like, when I think of Mars and Cancer, I think of like a, um, like a mother bear or like whatever animal being very protective of its young and looking for threats, like hidden threats that could, you know, threaten its young, right? And so, um, you know while mars is not able to you know just be like aggressive and just do what it wants there's like a purpose it's fighting for and it's more you know emotionally driven and less conscious it's kind of like a very it's like a reactive mars that's like a little less conscious in my opinion uh-huh. I don't know if you feel that way, but I, I can kind of get that from Mars and Cancer.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I feel very strongly about Mars and Cancer. Just like, okay, if like Mars is obviously the planet of taking action and it's in its fall in Cancer and Cancer is about nourishment and taking care of ourselves and others. I feel like Mars and Cancer can be like, it'll do that, but it can, I think it can overdo that in some ways. Yeah. like, I have a... I have a Mars and Cancer friend who, like, once a pandemic hit, thought that the best way to handle his stress was going to be to work out three times a day. Like.
0: That is extreme. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean. And I think sometimes with Planets and Fall, like, uh, at least in some of the texts I was reading, because, like, I, I remember reading a lot about Saul, is that, um, you know, planets in detriment are more like you know it's like being a foreigner in a land you've never been to and like you have no resources to get around whereas like a fallen planet is often described in terms of sickness like you know there are a lot a lot more like bodily or constitution related um issues and so it's almost like um i feel like sometimes planets in fall like sometimes they're And like, to some extent, planets in detriment, like, there's, you don't really have like, the appropriate, it's not just about like, having the appropriate tools, more so for the detriment planets, I find, you don't have the appropriate tools for the response you're trying to accomplish, but like, sometimes I feel like, um, with planets in fall, there might even be like, an overcompensation. Yeah. For not having tools, or like, having to prove yourself, or like, um, being forced to use these strategies in situations where they might not always be appropriate, right? Like and sometimes I find that people with um uh and cancer Mars can kind of and maybe to a lesser extent like Virgo Venus like there's almost this element of looking for like problems where there are none in a sense like You know, like, whereas with Virgo-Venus, it's like, okay, like, I want the perfect, like, relational whatever, or, like, I want the perfect art or whatever, and, like, because of their standards, they're just not getting it, whereas, like, with Cancer Mars, it's like, everything's a threat to my, you know, comfort, or my level of nourishment, or, like, um, there might be this, like, uh, scarcity mindset, almost, because... You know, like, I don't always see cancer as, like, being about, like, um, nourishment. Because, like, one way I like to think of cancer is that it's a cardinal water sign. And, you know, the moon is about, you know, what's familiar to us. And so I find that more often than not, cancers, regardless of how nurturing they are, they tend to try to create, recreate familiar situations and new contexts, right? You're always looking to do that. That could be like a weird metaphor for finding home, but like, (laughs)
1: you
0: know, Cancer Mars is like seeing everything as a threat to a potential home and they have difficulties and it, it gets in the way of their ability to like recreate the familiar in something different, right? Yeah. And so I'm feeling like this Mars and Cancer period might be, you know, six weeks of moving into uncharted territory. And like, you know, I know a lot of people are talking about the spring and um, summer feeling like some semb- semblance of normal. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like maybe, you know, after going through like Mars and Gemini for six weeks, it's like, okay, like, will we get a vaccine? Will we not? Like, which direction are we going in? Maybe we finally pick a direction after like going back and forth forever, right? Right. But like, maybe people are like not fully comfortable with like the idea of doing something familiar. Like, it's not quite, you know, what life was like pre-pandemic, but, like, it's better than what we were doing before. And, like, maybe this is, like, some resistance to that.
1: Mm -hmm. So, I mean, (laughs) to top it off, right, so, yeah, Mars Enters Cancer on April 23rd and mm-hmm. just um three days after we get a full moon in scorpio that's gonna be ruling <laughs> by cancer. that Mars in cancer and yeah. it's not it's not that that full moon's not too far away from uranus either they're only like four degrees apart.
0: yeah that's actually very close um yeah so you know the moon again the moon is a planet of you know nourishment, like, literally, it has so many bodily significations, right? And, like, Scorpio is a sign that's all about looking for (laughs) threats, eliminating threats, and, like, really getting to the core of what you want, right? And going after it relentlessly, right? And so, I mean, I know some people don't believe that planets that are debilitated can be a mutual reception. I don't agree, personally. (laughs) Because it's almost like, the moon and Mars are co-signing each other's bullshit. Right? It's like, we have the same agenda, we're not very good at it, but we're gonna do it anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like,
1: I've heard many, you know, like many astrologers describe it as it's like two drunk friends trying to help each other get home.
0: That's literally it, and so I think maybe, like, this period, to me, really feels like people not knowing how to approach the whole, like, the prospect of us even getting out of the lockdown, like I, I think, like it's going to be really difficult for people. Um, not only that, to add insult to injury, like technically the lunation is in a T square with Saturn, right? <laughs> and Uranus is there, like adding weirdness, right? And so, I mean. It kind of feels it's not like volatile because again the elements of everything like one it's all fixed signs, less chaotic, more more about achieving stability, right? Um, and then like you know the lunations are not in you know it's it's in a water sign. Water signs want to look for a baseline. They're looking for a cup to fill, right? They're looking for a container to be held, right? And so, I think like trying to change the container may be met with some resistance. Hmm. And it's up to like the Saturnian authority to kind of like be like, it's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think what you were saying earlier, I could see that happening. Like, it could be like, yeah, vaccine rolls out and uh, there is going to be resistance to it. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah, this like kind of like, on one hand, we do want to return to the normalcy, but then there is just, like, wanting to protect yourself from, you know, a potential threat, which could be this vaccine, and mm-hmm. there's definitely going to be just, like, a lot of, just, like, debate. About it that's for sure, yeah. and some like pushback, and I know here in the u s, for example, they're already talking about like, okay, it might roll out in spring, do we roll it out first to healthcare professionals, or do we roll mm-hmm. it out to the people who are like most susceptible to this disease and that's kind of interesting moon stuff too, right yeah
0: no, oh, it's interesting that you mentioned that too, because like I mean, Mars and cancer kind of wants to protect theirs, right, and sometimes at the expense of like their own well being, right? Um, there's something very like, what are you willing to give up to have what you want about this lunation to me? Um, and, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, and I think like something about like, you know, challenged Mars placements is that probably more so for Cancer and Taurus Mars than Libra Mars, but like, there's this need to like absorb and take in all this, like, um, what's it called? It's almost like you need to have a reason to like attack and you have to wait until you're pushed to a certain level. Right. Whereas I feel like with Libra Mars, it's more like, I'm, like, actively, you know, forcing people to get along or be balanced, right? Because it's, like, the more, um, it's, like, diurnal, active, or whatever, so. And I feel like there might be a lot that's, like, still not said or spoken or verbalized about it, but the reaction will still be there, so
1: oh it, it is it it is really interesting too on this the yeah what are you willing to give up to like protect what you have or what are you willing to risk really to like go back mm-hmm. to something that's like familiar or to move forward on things like it is really interesting that this lunation this full moon in scorpio is going to be happening in that first second of like a scorpio right where it's like oh yeah like let's say yeah like let's say for example yeah maybe it is the vaccine right and it's like okay we finally got it like here it is but now it's like, was well, this really what we want?
0: Like are we ready for this. <laughs> Do I really have to like bulldoze everybody and everything to get this? Was this really worth it? Like
1: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It'll be re- and then and then I think Mars is, yeah, Mars is gonna be in that first decan of cancer, which is also just like I feel like it has like some of that like protectiveness of yeah, it's cancer. like peak
0: right. Yeah um, yeah, so, it's, like, what am I willing to do to be held again, right, mm. it's pretty fun, um, <laughs> great, uh, well, that's so,
1: April, <laughs> we started out April being, like, oh, god, this is gonna be amazing, this is so fun, and, and then it's, like, Mars like, oh. <laughs> and <Where's the>
0: cancer, <laughs> uh, okay, May, May is, um, is something
1: <laughs> yeah my, my I, I took notes before this and i did all my, my first line is this okay things start getting crazy <laughs> and i think some of it i mean here so like i actually know let's like not jump around let's like, kind of start with like okay like we start off the month with like mercury answers gemini and then so does venus and so now we have like the planets starting to move into Gemini, and uh, the good news is, yeah, Mercury is nice in Gemini. It's, it's Obviously, it's domicile. It's gonna like like being there. It will station retrograde there there though by the end of the month, but we can get to that later. Venus entering Gemini will be interesting because you know it was retrograde there
0: <laughs> last year.
1: <laughs> Felt like it was there for eons. Eternity.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean sorry guys like I know you're probably tired of Venus and Gemini but like we gotta do it pretty much every year so (laughs) Um, yeah the only thing that's interesting about planets going into um either Gemini or Sag kind of like uh towards the end of um or the second half of uh 2020 is that like I feel like the north node in Gemini especially is gonna make the desire for like mercurial things venusian thing like whatever's coming into gemini is going to be amplified like it, like period it's just going to be really loud um so i think literally the day venus goes into gemini like Mercury's closing in on a conjunction with the north node so wow. it's like okay like venus is like okay new ruler who's this and the ruler is just like I just want to try everything, know anything there is to know about anything. I want to like know every corner of it, like, just madness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, ooh, Oh, this conjunction's actually on Aldebaran, <laughs> like, so that feels very, um, that feels very loud to me. Um, Aldebaran is one of the, you know, royal watcher stars that we kind of made a joke about at the beginning and um it's kind of got like a innate like people kind of associate it with um depending on who you read this association with like kind of like a marsy kind of quality but basically it's supposed to be really good for like intellectual matters um you know um, generate like authority um somebody who is able to you know, be popular, someone who needs to hold themselves to a really high standard to like maintain their position and things like that. So there might be something, especially if you have like Mercury ruling your angles, like this might be like a time for you to really, I guess, claim that sort of authority. And you might find yourself hungering for that, or like trying to put yourself in a position where you can like, I guess, gain recognition for that or show that you are worthy of acknowledgement or like you know because mercury is a planet of like communicating your intelligence it's like the messenger to the sun basically right it's like how well you communicate your soul purpose in a way that will get people to acknowledge you or pay attention to you so that's kind of a thing
1: yeah i think it's also like i don't know if it happens right at the beginning of the month i have to check the exact degrees but they both, yeah, that that th- those planets going into Gemini. So it's Mercury and Venus are going to have Antitia, um, like con- conjunction by Antitia to that Mars and Cancer. So mm-hmm. it's like we, um, like at first glance, it just kind of seems like this m- Mars and Cancer is just kind of on its own, you know, just kind of doing its thing. You yeah. Know? Oh my God, that's my cat. <laughs> um, yeah, it kind of at first glance, it kind of seems like that Mars and Cancer is just kind of doing its own thing, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of hanging out in Cancer. But no, actually, there,
0: it's, it's not, it's not, and it just, um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. shadow the respect, man, like, so, like, I would say that, like, with that close connection between, um, Mercury in the North Node and then eventually Venus in the North Node, cause, you know, Mars and Cancer will be in those middle degrees for, like, quite some time. There might be this, not only this intense, like, hunger for, like, you know, communication or, like different forms of like relating and creating and like values but like there might even be like this excessive willingness to like do battle over it probably for no reason um or seemingly no reason Um, (laughs) yeah like um so it's weird because like we get like um After Venus goes into Gemini, we get a new moon in Taurus, so it's like answering to this like very amped up Venus um, in an air sign. Um, Not only that, but it's also like overcome by a square with Jupiter, which is kind of nice, I feel like it's a very expansive lunation, I guess.
1: Yeah, I feel it's definitely a lot lighter than the full moon in Scorpio we just talked yes, pretty extensively lighter. about. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's nice. I am
0: like yeah. that. Um, oh, but guess what happens, like, literally two days later?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jupiter and her spicy.
0: Oh, <gasps> oh gosh. Like, ready. Yeah. Um, it's uh, probably,
1: like, the transit I'm looking most for to in the entire that,
0: 2021. It's nice because, like, it's overcoming, uh, like, even though the degrees are off, like, it's overcoming that Cancer, Mars by trying, um, And Jupiter's the exaltation ruler of Cancer, so that's actually very nice. Um, and I can't really be mad at the chart. Like, it's, it's pretty nice. Um, so it's nice because jupiter is away from saturn jupiter is in authority if even for like just two seconds so jupiter gets his juice his juice back
1: yes
0: you know coming off this really drunk high and sag and then going through the lowest of lows in cap and then kind of going through this recovery phase in um this guided recovery phase in um Aquarius, like we kind of get this nice break. So, like I know we were talking about at the beginning of April or like much of April, how um, you know, people, you know, like Cancer Mars might be like trying to like us st- starting to see the beginnings of like going back to some kind of normal, but like not being fully comfortable. And so I feel like Jupiter being in a positive configuration by sign to um, Mars and Cancer, it might make people feel a lot more comfortable.
1: I agree. And I think another thing for this Jupiter and Pisces is it, it is only going to be here for like a minute, as in like just a few months. It's, it, it, um, it will station retrograde and then we'll go back into Aquarius on July 28th so mm-hmm. we we get like a good like couple months of Jupiter and Pisces and I have just been like I want to think of just the ways to kind of just savor this but yeah you know for those of you yeah like those of you listening just think about like where Pisces is in your chart and just observe what's gonna happen over those next couple like months or so because it is a preview of what's to come when Jupiter is going to be in Pisces for longer in 2022 mm-hmm.
0: yeah uh, it's a nice preview, and I kind of view this as like a weird parallel to like what we had this this year in 2020, because like around the same time uh Mars ingressed into Pisces. And I noticed that uh around the time Mars got off axis from like Saturn and all that shit, like you know, cases started to slow down a bit, like um people started eventually like going back to normal, easing restrictions. And so, you know, I think like, you know, Jupiter's kind of off axis from Saturn, not co-signing as bullshit anymore, you know, is on axis with, you know, Venus, can kind of help out with whatever she's doing in Gemini, and kind of soften Mars and Cancer. It's it's pretty nice. so uh the only issue is that literally like the day after like mercury goes into um what's it called mercury enters is mercury entering its shadow or is it stationing i think think it's entering its shadow it's entering its shadow so like um what's worth noting here is that mercury is like making a trine with saturn and it's also still conjunct the north node like so, I mean, Mercury's really empowered. Um, Saturn wants to help Mercury do whatever, vice versa. They're both in their own signs. They're both pretty happy. Like, um, This to me really feels like whatever rules or boundaries or parameters that were agreed upon at the beginning of the year, it's like, okay, we're really allowing for, um, what's it called? We're really allowing for like more mercurial activities to happen so like you know exchanges, trades, communicating, whatever like you know maybe something about the way we're communicating with each other or like socializing is in line with some of these like precautions we may have set or agreed to so I don't know it's feeling a lot more constructive but with some potential caveats um
1: yes and i do see feel like a lot of the caveats kind of start happening like i feel like the month starts out nice actually and then you get that in pisces but then i feel like it quickly escalates to whatever those caveats are going to be because yeah mercury enters its shadow saturn stations retrograde on may 23rd and then mm -hmm. three days after there's a lunar eclipse in sag and then like we end the month with well three days after that is then mercury stations retrograde
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it's like yeah things are going and then it's like i mean i'm not seeing this as like oh my god everything stops like it's just kind of like maybe things accelerate more quickly than people were prepared for like um it seems like
1: dominoes falling, you know, or you're just kind of like, it's going, and maybe it's going a much faster, and like, uh, like, then you can, you anticipate it, or you can control at this point, but it's like, fucking going.
0: <laughs> it's like, oh, um, whoa. <laughs> like, um, I'm trying to think because, you know, Saturn basically stations, like, in the trine with, um, so... I think like that to me says like there are some issues with like maybe negotiations, trade, um, things like that. And I'm wondering if like I've noticed that like a lot of the uh, pandemic stuff is very like Mercury tied in because like I don't remember if the like the announcement of the pandemic chart like for uh, Geneva had like Virgo rising or something, but like. Mercury was really prominent in that chart. And I've noticed that literally every Mercury retrograde, like, last year, or this year, rather. I'm, like, already in 2021. (laughs) There was always, like, messed up public health messaging. Or, like, you know, people would say one thing and they'd have to walk it back. Or, like, but again, it was kind of like there were things that weren't said. Whereas, like, you know, again, like you mentioned earlier, the air signs, you know, there's probably going to be a lot more back and forth especially with this retrograde in um in gemini there's going to be like a lot way more back and forth than there probably was before and you know like maybe like one way we could look at the saturn retrograde um trining mercury at this stage as like you know maybe the people who made the rules or like agreements or some kind of gatekeeping group is kind of seeing how things are progressing, like I guess with mercury, mercurial matters, and maybe they're like reevaluating their whole response to that or something. Um, uh, I'm also like thinking about like all the issues with like the postal system, for example, like in the US, or even just like mail as a concept, because I know even globally, like, you know, the pandemic affected all of that, and you, just even how we like exchange resources or, like, um, send things to people. Like, I think there will be some, like, reimagining of, like, what those systems are, and I'm wondering how much of that is based on the false assumption that things are moving, because Mercury's also beginning to slow down at this <laughs> point, <you know? laughs> So I wonder,
1: too, if, like, I mean... So, Saturn also represents discipline and mm-hmm. boundaries and limits, right? Mm-hmm. And I do wonder if another potential signification of this is that, yeah, restrictions start easing up, and people yeah. are now suddenly going to have to really, really rely on just their own individual self discipline. And then also just mm-hmm. seeing if the rest of the community and their people around us are going to just follow suit. I wonder if some of those like restrictions will ease up because of something like a vaccine being found, or maybe there's a drop in cases. That you know, again, like this peaks people's just like hope that oh, it's going away. We can like start easing things up. Right. I, I, yeah.
0: Like I know some people see like Gemini and Mercury as like local things, so it's like I'm wondering if like maybe the authorities are easing up their pressure on the local authorities or the more, like, locally involved. That's another thing I could see. Um, but, I mean, who knows? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like, Saturn goes retrograde. And then, how do you feel about the lunar eclipse in Sag? Um... It's Is no. it at the same degree as last year?
1: I it's either the same degree as the one in June or the one in December. I do not I think it's
0: the same, the same as the June one. Like I'm pretty sure. Like they were both around like maybe not like the same exact degree, but like pretty close.
1: If that's the case, I mean, that'll be interesting, because it's, like, that June Sagittarius eclipse was very, it was light. It was barely an eclipse, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't even think the nodes were even in Sag and Gemini well, the notes, point,
0: I yeah. So, I think, like, the mean nodes were, but the true nodes weren't. It was, like, one of those weird things.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so <laughs> I haven't like actually really like looked at the chart yet, but I do know this is like a this is definitely a full eclipse. Like it is a much stronger <laughs> than the one that had happened like last June and June. 4th. Yeah.
0: And
1: um. I other than that, um.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of like what happened. I mean, obviously, what happened last June was like. Um a lot of the protests about you know police brutality and racial justice, um, so I don't know if we're going to be revisiting some of those topics. I mean, that's very much a possibility, like from a mundane perspective. I will say that for this particular eclipse, I really like that she' like domiciled mm. because. Yeah. All- like especially Jupiter in like Pisces rather than Sagittarius because I feel like Jupiter in Pisces is very like kind of like Jupiter in Cancer, it's very like feely kind of like
1: mm-hmm.
0: let's bring the collective together and like um there's this more there's more of an attempt at unifying or trying to you know Jupiter can be related to justice sometimes. Um you know, or at least maintaining cohesion, you know, like, Jupiter is all about cohesion.
1: Huh. I think another thing that happened, like, l- last, like, yeah, like, last May, June, or just like, leading up to that first Sag eclipse, was the, a lot of, I mean, at least here in the U.S., like, I can't speak for other countries, but... A lot of the different states were starting to like loosen up the restrictions and starting to, we're starting to reopen businesses and we're starting to like lift the lockdowns and come July you know after, especially post like Fourth of July weekend suddenly we were seeing spikes again. Um, if I recall correctly, like you know the one of the Jupiter Pluto conjunctions happened at around that time too, which and those have coincided with like cases. Yeah. Rising yeah. again, and then a bunch of states had to then go on lockdown again in like August, September ish. Yeah. So, or some just never did go, ever go back in lockdown, just let their cases just keep rising. Yeah.
0: Um, I think another thing worth noting is that I think like the antitia between the Mars and the North node like begins to perfect around this time. Wow. Like, um, that'll be pretty interesting because I feel like that'll be like. This is probably going to be like a lot more um, subtly emotional than people were expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say people should pay attention to, you know, the sad parts of their life, like um, especially whatever you were doing like literally this time last year. Not exactly the same day, but like close enough. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, with eclipses, right, you got to really look at, like, at least, like, even just, like, the two weeks preceding it, the two weeks after. Mm-hmm. Um, that particular Sag eclipse last year was interesting because it was the first of the Sag Gemini eclipses, but it wasn't paired with another Gemini eclipse because we were no, still wrapping up Capricorn Cancer eclipse season. We had three eclipses in summer yeah. 2020. Yeah.
0: Um. So, yeah, we're solidly in, you know, Gemini Sag territory, so this is going to be like I know like people should probably think about like you know from like the new moon full moon standpoint like so you know the solar lunar standpoint think about you know the, the 14th of December eclipse because this might you know bring us back to that point like whatever you started like on the 14th of December might come to a head um, you know, in the summer, but, like, if you want to take it further back, because, like, you know, this is a bit closer degrees to the other one, like, maybe think about what you were doing even last year and how this is kind of, like, a new, like, culmination or ending of, like, what was initiated back then.
1: Yeah. And then really emphasizing the point you made earlier that the big difference between last year's and this year's is the fact that Jupiter is now, it's a Jupiter world eclipse and Jupiter's in Aquarius this year. Last year it was in its fall in Capricorn. I do think it's a nicer, mm-hmm. Jupiter's obviously okay. in a much better, actually no, shoot, Jupiter's in Pisces at this point, it's not even in Aquarius, it's even better.
0: Yeah, right. so I feel like it'll be a lot more constructive. That That's just me, but you know um okay yeah and then uh as we mentioned like mercury like literally stations retrograde um two days later um what's funny is that it's basically squared Neptune (laughs) and conjoined venus so what's even better is that venus is like in like similar degrees to where she went retrograde last year <laughs> and she did station square Neptune. so i really feel like this is really going to be like unlike last mercury retrograde and last venus retrograde where like her went retrograde in cancer and then venus was like retrograde in gemini i feel like this is a weird opportunity to like bring up any weird shit that was lingering because degrees are so close to venus's retrograde in gemini last year like i really feel like this will be a time to like actually this might be a time where people might be weirdly thinking about like weird situations that had them fucked up from last year and like actually giving voice to them rather than not (laughs) that's kind of how i feel about it
1: I'm mad because last year was a train wreck for me, (laughs) like, (laughs) exactly that period, that, that eclipse season period. I was, like, literally just reading through my journal entries from it, and (laughs) I think you're right. I think you're so right. Like, I was
0: just... No, like, tell me I'm wrong. Like, it's literally Mercury conjunct Venus in Gemini. It's like, okay, what are we? What could we be? It's in the last decade of Gemini, okay? And then, like, Neptune is, like, in the superior square, just, like, making everything confusing. And so, honestly, if, like, I feel like especially for people who, like, either started relationships in this phase, ended relationships in this phase, and this doesn't just have to be romantic. It could be, you know, semi-romantic, it could be friends, whatever. But, like, this might be a time where you have to, like, really go back over some stuff. Like, and it's just like, wait a second, like, this was not okay, or, like, this wasn't cool, or, like, maybe... It, it feels like there's some unfinished business that you weren't able to do <laughs> last year. Yeah. You know? I could,
1: I could totally see that. I know. I was already just, like, looking at just how similar the stationing degrees were, on top of just the eclipses, too. And I was like, yep. nah, I think you're funny. right. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then, as for June, like, we... June, you know, we, we still are dealing with it, just a bunch of the stuff from May, right? Because we ended May with a Mercury retrograde, and then we started eclipse season. So we start off June with still just kind of some of that still in the air. But at the same time, we also get start off the month of June with some really, really nice stuff. Like, we get Venus in Cancer on June 2nd. And
0: uh, this is start of the month. And... I think that it kind of eases up, like, whatever Mars is doing in Cancer um, because Mars is starting to wrap up its stay in Cancer, Um, but no, like, literally the first few days or even the first week of June, like, Venus is in a pretty good, like, configuration, like, to Jupiter that whole time, and it's, it's just really nice, and I feel like this is where people might start to feel more comfortable you know like assuming that you know lockdowns and stuff start to ease and people start to ease back into something that resembles normal more like i think people might be more comfortable um being on board with this kind of thing mhm mhm
1: i you i know you and i have discussed this but i know a bunch of other astrologers or people on astro twitter have been talking about June second as being also just a really awesome election. I think there, I think there's actually like a few elections in early June that like people are
0: really like keeping their eye on. No, it, it, yeah, that like June is just like okay, it's basically like for the two seconds that Jupiter is in Pisces, milk every second of it, especially with um, Venus and Cancer yeah it's
1: great it's like venus cancer you got jupiter in pisces you've got mercury in domicile yes mercury's retrograde so that is a drawback but it's mm-hmm. still mercury in gemini um yeah you eventually get mars in leo and I, I i was talking to someone else about like june 12th being a possible other good election um maybe better the first other things um for some things than the June 2nd because that Mars is in Leo and, um, you know, we both have Mars in Leo in Italy so we're very biased.
0: Listen, I'm ready to start my Mars return because I, it's been so fun since Mars has been in Leo. Like, I'm just mad that Mars wasn't in Leo while I'm in a Mars year. Like, it's wrong. (laughs) um, The thing is, like, Beginning of June is great, and then we get this weird solar eclipse in <laughs> the day before Mars yeah. goes to Leo. Um, wait, is, is Mercury? Oh, that's the, this eclipse, yes, this eclipse. is yes. it's, Because it's literally like the sun, Mercury, and the moon are all together. Like, it's just so loud.
1: Like <laughs> yeah, you and I were having a discussion on whether because it is like a Sun Mercury Kazemi, right? And yeah. is it is it still a Kazemi when an eclipse is evolved? Because like you were that, saying earlier, kazimis are purifying. It's like ah, it's yeah,
0: an eclipse. This does not feel purifying at all. Like it feels like for one, eclipses are like you know, hidden. You know, the sun and the moon's light are distorted. Um, you know, usually eclipses, you know, Kazimis are purifying. Yes, a lot of them are more like internal realizations or something or purifying, but I feel like the light that the sun would typically have is obscured, so the purification is not quite there. Or I feel like because it's like an eclipsing of the light, it's almost like, um, there's something that's, um... Some kind, Something very secretive and, like, maybe the revelation of something secretive. Like, if anything, I would use this, like, period to do some, like, deep shadow work or something. was mm. more, I, like, I, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I do like that and even just the potential of stuff to just kind of, like, really kind of come out because... Yeah, it's, I don't think it's purifying by any means, but the good news is Mercury is in its chariot because it's in domicile, mm-hmm. so it does get some protection here, but nonetheless it's an eclipse, and I do think it could be, like, some, it could be heavy stuff.
0: Yeah, like, I and I think, no, you're right, like, I, it's, it. it's just a really good time to, like, really be honest with yourself or some people around you, and, like, for people who have, like, um air signs, especially like Sag Risings, side-eyeing you hardcore, um, really be honest about what you need in your relationships, because like, there are going to be some secret revelations of some kind that, like, make things more clear, um, you know, it might not be comfortable. Not only that, but like, I think whatever's revealed in secret or in private, like, with Neptune being in the superior position, like, it's probably going to make you more upset and idealistic. That's just my opinion. Like, Mm. it's going to be something very disillusioning and, like, very disorienting. Like, so be prepared for that.
1: I, I agree. I agree, and just keep in mind, everyone, that this is the second to the last of the sad Gemini eclipses. We do get one more at the end of twenty twenty one, but then that's it. So I do, I do feel like this is the these two that we get in the summer are gonna be intense, like that's for mm-hmm. sure. And hopefully, that last one will just be like some closure and just like kind of what happened in the summer. But I agree with you. Yeah, sad risings, especially the more honest. I think you could be with like. Not just the people you're in a relationship with, but like first and foremost yourself, right? Kind of hard to be honest with the people you around yeah. you if you're not being honest with yourself. Don't then,
0: worry, please, please, <laughs> <laughs> please. <laughs> just do it. Um, no, but I think like Mars and Leo happening right after that is a nice change of energy. The only thing that sucks is that we get like six weeks of Saturn and Mars.
1: <laughs> oh opposing each other yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: um yeah I'm trying so. to
1: ignore that okay so
0: you know like I'm uh, you know like I'm I don't I don't hate it right like I don't like it but I don't hate it like like it could be worse we could yeah. have Saturn and Aries opposite Mars and Libra or like Saturn and Cancer opposite Mars in.
1: I do like that Mars will get dignity toward the end of that. And it yeah. won't be closely squaring that Saturn anymore by the time it's in that last decan of yeah, Leo.
0: Off axis, which will be nice.
1: Yeah, and I if I recall correctly, the Venus and um, the Venus and Mars conjunction in Leo in July, will happen in that third decan, pretty far away from that Saturn, so that sounds lovely. Yeah,
0: um, so, I mean, the way I see, like, Mars, and, I mean, it's kind of, like, the whole, like, Mars and Saturn hard aspect thing, this is not new, this is welcome to the reality of Saturn and Aquarius, it's just that this is happening in fixed signs now, and not in cardinal signs, so I feel like, Whereas cardinal signs, the energy is a lot more about, like, making things dynamic and bringing about change. Um, In fixed signs, it's more about stabilizing and looking for consistency. And so, I feel like, well, Mars wants to go off on this, like, new permanent adventure. Especially in the opposition more so than, you know, the squares. Saturn is just like, no. (laughs) And with Aquarius, it's like, hard fucking no. Like, this is no never no and so it's really going to be a six weeks where we're feeling this like constant tug of war um and the thing is with the opposition i feel like unlike the squares because in the on the oppositions it's like more or less they're kind of on the same playing field but just opposite right Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. just like whatever planet has more dignity and more like bonification wins and, you know, you know, can tip the scales either way, and so it's almost like sometimes you have to go Mars's way, or sometimes you have to go Saturn's way, Mm -hmm. And unless there's, like, a planet, you know, you know, trining one and uh, sextile the other, or squaring both, like, there's no win-win, it's like, sometimes you have to choose one, sometimes you have to choose the other, there's no, like, middle way, right?
1: Yeah, I. it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out on the global scale because, you, like we've been saying, Saturn and Aquarius, or just Aquarius is the collective, and Leo is the self, right, and Mars and Leo opposing that Saturn and Aquarius, I think is going to be that balancing act that we've been playing for a while, but I feel like it's going to it's going to come up, like in particular, like around this time of like... Mm-hmm. you going after just kind of like what you want and <laughs> you're like just kind of individual like just like needs and goals and things versus like what's yeah. kind of better for the collective or for the greater good and saturn in that last decade of leo or saturn leo mars in that last decade of leo will be like really interesting right because like the um like i've heard austin describe it as the propaganda. Um, banner, you know, Trump's got his Mars there. We both have our
0: Mars there, and I do feel oh my like, God. oh, yeah, 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 it's yeah,
1: it's, yeah. And then Venus will conjoin Mars there. And I just kind of feel like, yeah, that last, I know we're this is already going into July, this isn't gonna happen in June, but that last, like, like, hurrah of like Mars in Leo, I think, will be just a lot of just like, <laughs> you know, just like mm-hmm. it just seems like just like a lot of pushing your agenda.
0: I mean, no, for sure. I mean, before that, like, you know, before Mars gets there, like, what's nice is that, like, when the sun enters cancer, like, the, the sucky part is, okay, the sun enters ca- Like, it's not that the sun enters cancer. It's that Jupiter goes retrograde, mm-hmm. meaning that our short time with Jupiter and Pisces is, like, slowly coming to an end. Yeah. But we get in a few days of, like, you know, the sun which is ruling mars and leo like being trying this jupiter in cancer which is awesome like milk it where <laughs> possible because like i don't know like just 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 take advantage of it um uh and then like right after that mercury stations direct on the 22nd so like you know, it's like, okay, we can finally, like, whatever conversations we were having about whatever, and finally, like, figure out what to do with these revelations, and negotiate on how to move forward, right? Especially because Mercury stationing trine, into a trine with Saturn, which is kind of like, you know, maybe, like, being like, okay, I can be a little more hands-off, whatever. And Mercury's like, okay, now that I have this knowledge, like let's go talk about it.
1: Um, I like
0: it. I do too. It's like, okay, it's funny because like Mercury goes from the deck in that's all about, okay, we can't do everything and we have to pick the one thing. Everything else is keeping me from doing one thing great, right? And so but then like Mercury goes back over those feelings and then it's back to like, wait, but there's duality, I can do both. Mm-hmm. Mercury's going to have to go through the whole, mm, can't really do both. Like, <laughs> it's nice because Saturn is in a Mercury-ruled Deccan in Aquarius. So it's like, Saturn's really trying to, like, give Mercury room to, like, it's like, okay, here's how things were. Here's how things are. Like, bridge the gap somehow. And Mercury's just like, okay, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> is struggling. So...
1: Suddenly, like, this is so kind of random, but I suddenly just even just had the thought now of just like, you know, like Saturn oftentimes represents like our elders, right? And, um, and I think a lot of people are even just talking about how like Saturn and Capricorn, the fact that we just had all of these like extremely old men running for office and stuff is just like that, but whereas Mercury represents youth, um, or younger people, and so I think you, I, I even just kind of wonder, just, like, on a more, like, global or mundane scale, if it is gonna be, like, hopefully, like, maybe, yeah, creating more space for younger leadership or younger voices to, like, get out there. That would be
0: nice. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. Um, the thing is, um, I'm also if wondering if, like, you know, because Saturn, I'm interpreting Saturn, like, as whatever new authority is trying to create this new stable structure, right, or maintain a stable structure, and it being in that, like, Mercury double deck in, that's all about, like, reconciling, you know, where you've been with where you're going, right, mm-hmm. and like, like, the the continuous bridge between them, I think, like, you know um, Saturn's retrograde will really be a test of like how well you know the older generations can really bridge with the younger generations and you know I know Mm -hmm. the campaign in particular is really all about like um restoring dignity and like making the country more cohesive again right yeah in the case of, you know, all these, like, world powers, like, okay, this COVID crisis is showing us we need to do stuff differently, and it's like, this is gonna be a real test of, like, how many bridges can we build, or how well of a bridge can we be into this new transition we're trying to go into, and is it worth it? Like, uh-huh. I it's gonna be a real test. Mm-hmm,
1: uh-huh. uh-huh. um, hmm Yeah. I think it'll be interesting. Did you... Do you remember what the Biden campaign slogan was for this presidential election?
0: I really don't fucking remember.
1: Yeah, most people don't, because they're... Whoever does their communications and marketing is awful, but it (laughs) was build back better.
0: Okay, I keep hearing that everywhere but the Biden campaign. Like, (laughs) using it. Like, and it's just like, can you guys be original? Like... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I know there's just so much wrong with it but it, it does just kind of just track with what we're just like talking about of like yeah yeah really trying to like bring dignity back to the office and just go back to the way things were but building it back better
0: <laughs> um yeah and so the thing is like what else is happening Da-da-da-da. Oh, wait, there's a full moon in Capricorn. What? Yeah. Holy shit, when is that? The 24th? Yep. Honestly, this is the first full moon in Capricorn that I'm not like, oh my god, this is like, like, it's not any more than like, I mean, yeah, Pluto's there, but like, the orb is so wide. Not only that, but like, the moon's actually making a really nice aspect of Jupiter. So like, I'm not mad. (laughs) yeah
1: we yeah early like in january we get the new the the first new moon in capricorn that's like not dealing with saturn and jupiter in its fall and yeah so we'll get this like yeah this first full moon in capricorn since saturn and jupiter left
0: Mm -hmm. yeah like i mean i feel like if it was closer like like if Pluto was right on the moon, I would not be pretty, I wouldn't be really happy about that. But like, mm-hmm. again, they're, they're not off axis. I mean, they're co-present, but like, it's not as dramatic because the orb isn't as tight. It's there, but like, I feel like Jupiter, um, being in such a close aspect the moon is really instructive,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how I feel. Um, I,
1: you know, like, it's, it's still, you know, it's still moon in Capricorn, it's still moon in its detriment, so it's nothing, like, too, like, exciting, but it does get me excited that that means we get a new moon in Cancer in July, (laughs) and uh, that's gonna be, yeah, it's, again, it's a new moon that's, like, not gonna be opposing (laughs) Saturn in Capricorn or Jupiter in Capricorn
0: anymore. I mean, the only other thing that happens in June, June is, like, on the 27th, Venus goes into Leo, finally. Yeah,
1: yeah. which I'm also really, really excited about.
0: Still so opposing
1: too. Saturn, but, you, know,
0: you we'll, know. We'll think about it, you know, like, in that middle decade, because <laughs> that's when it's, like, really loud, you know?
1: <laughs> that's where my natal Venus is, so yes, I'm very, very much looking forward to my Venus return. Um, Um, and Mars there yeah and it's gonna be like you said it's gonna be Mars and Leo for like When was the last time we had Mars and Leo it's been a long
0: time what was that like I don't I don't remember like maybe 2019 2019 at some point yeah 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 it was 2019 at some point because like literally like the day I left my new job like my old job and I moved up here to Canada for grad school I think like I think it was during a Mars retrograde that started... No, not Mars. Mercury retrograde. Sorry. Mars was in Leo, though, but Mercury was retrograde in Leo, and then it went back into Cancer.
1: Like, You're right. You're right, because I don't know how I'm, I I forgot this slipped my mind, but my solar return for 2019 had all of my four Leo placements returned to Leo. So yeah, that Mars was in Leo on August 14th of 2019, for sure. It definitely was, like... And that wraps up part one of our 2021 astrology forecast, which covered January through June 2021. To listen to the rest of the forecast, which covers July through December 2021, listen to part two of the podcast. Thanks, guys.